Let's take a moment and have a word of prayer this morning. Ask God to bless our service and work in our hearts before we dismiss the boys and girls out to junior church. Father, we thank you for this time that we can come together. Lots of busyness, lots of hustle and bustle, people running all different directions. And Lord, a lot of times, the busyness takes our focus off of what is most important. Lord, we come to you this morning asking for your help. Lord, we are weak. We have struggles, difficulties. Even the strongest among us is weak in comparison with all that there is to bear in this life. Lord, we need your help. We need your strength. We thank you so much for the salvation that we have through Jesus Christ. We thank you that we can come together as a church family and worship you together in song and hear your word preached. We thank you for all those that serve in so many different ways, Lord, so that we can come together corporately and this can happen. Lord, we thank you for providing a place for us to meet. We thank you for a free country that we can worship you openly. I pray for those this morning around the world that are gathered in secret. We have some of our brothers and sisters in Christ this morning who, for them to meet this morning, means to break the law. I pray that you'd encourage them this morning. They'd find their strength and their hope in you. Lord, I pray for those who cannot be with us this morning. We have several that are sick, those that are struggling Lord, I pray that you'd strengthen them, encourage them. We thank you that you are the great physician, the great healer. Lord, all that's good comes from you. Lord, I pray that you'd soften our hearts, quiet our minds, prepare us for your word this morning. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Boys and girls, you can be dismissed if you'd like with Brother Josh out to Junior Church this morning. Let's take our Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 2. I love to take time to meditate on Scripture. You know, the Bible is the Word of God from beginning to end. Every word is true. These are not man's words. These are God's words that He inspired different men to write down, but they wrote these under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And when we come to passages like this morning, Luke chapter 2, we say, well, we looked at this passage last week. We did, but there's another area of emphasis, I think, in this passage that can be very helpful for us. We've been talking over the last several weeks about different gifts. Talked about the gift of hope. That Jesus Christ gives us hope. That His coming to this earth gives us hope. We talked about last week the gift of peace and what real peace is. That Jesus Christ didn't fail in His mission to come and bring peace on earth, goodwill toward men. But the peace that He brought was the peace that we could be reconciled to God. That our sins could be forgiven. That we could have eternal life. This morning I want us to think for a little bit about the gift of joy. The gift of joy. Trevor, a few minutes ago, read to us from Luke chapter 2. I want you to look down at verse number 10 and notice what the angel said to the shepherds that 
night on the hillside. The angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. He speaks of this joy that is to all people. Good tidings of great joy. But you know, that's not how he starts his statement, is it? Two words, the angel says to those shepherds after peering on the hillside to them that night. The angel said, fear not. I want to ask you a question this morning. What are you afraid of? What are you afraid of? I think if you were honest, you would have to say you're afraid of something. And I think most of us, maybe if someone hit us with that question right off, we might not have an immediate response. Some of you might. But I think a lot of us, if we sat back and we thought about it for a little bit, we could come up with some things that we're afraid of. I, I wrote down a few things. People are often afraid of things that they don't understand. Something doesn't make sense to them. They look at the situation. They can't figure it out. They're afraid of it. Some folks are afraid of technology because they don't know how to use it, right? Some folks are just afraid of a situation that they don't know how to handle. Fear. Some of us are afraid of things that catch us by surprise. All little boys love this as they surprise their mothers with various reptiles and bugs or in creatures around the house, right? Things that catch us by surprise. These shepherds this night, were they were caught by surprise. They're out there quietly watching their sheep on the hillside. It's dark, it's calm. I'm sure maybe there were some stars, we don't know, but... It was just a regular night for them. They're out keeping their flocks by night, as the Bible says. And all of a sudden, then, the angel appears to them. They were surprised. When things catch you off guard, does that cause you to fear? Some people are afraid of the unknown, right? The what-ifs of life. I'm not sure what's going to happen. What's coming next? I'm afraid. Fear not. You know, this is a common theme throughout Scripture. Fear not. God tells us over and over to fear not. In a sense, if we put it in our modern vocabulary, he would say something like this. Stop being afraid. Why do you think God says that so often? In fact, when you look up just those two words, fear not, in Scripture, they appear together some 70 times throughout all of Scripture. God told Abraham, fear not. God told David, fear not. God told Mary, fear not. He told Joseph, fear not. He told Zacharias, fear not. And now the angels, or the angel tells the shepherds, fear not. Why do you think this idea is here of fear and then we see joy and good tidings? It's as if there's a contrast here. Don't be afraid. Instead, I'm bringing you good tidings of great joy. What's he mean by this? 
I believe very simply, fear and faith do not coexist. Fear and faith do not exist together. When my faith is in God, I can overcome my fear. But when I'm afraid, it's because I am lacking in the area of faith. The Bible says very simply in Psalm 56.3, What time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. So I ask you again, what are you afraid of? Fear often keeps us from walking by faith. Fear of the future keeps us from trusting God's plan and God's protection for our lives. Fear sometimes causes us to freeze up. He tells the shepherds that night, fear not. Let me give you three ideas tonight, or this morning, three things that can help you when you're trying to overcome fear. Because we all face fears, we all have fears. So here's three simple ideas of how to overcome fear, and then we're going to take some time this morning to go through this passage of Scripture this morning and, and see how the angel's message to the shepherds that night matches up right along with these points. Here they are, very simply. Number one... You can overcome fear by choosing to focus on what God has said. That's by focusing on the Word of God. Focusing on what God has said. Why? Because we get afraid of the unknown. We get afraid of the things that we're not sure about, the what-ifs of life. There's only one word that you can always count on. That's the Word of God. Amen. It's always true. Amen. So when you're afraid of what's coming or what might happen or what might not happen... You need to choose instead to focus on what God has said. A second part of overcoming fear is focusing on what God has done. It's important to understand what He says in His Word. And through God's Word, we better understand what God has done, what His actions are. See, you can trust in somebody who <clears throat> always speaks the truth. You can trust in somebody who always does what they say they're going to do. And every single one of God's actions throughout all of time and eternity have always been for the same purpose, for His glory and for our good. Very simply put. What are you afraid of? If you're going to overcome fear in your life, you need to focus on what God has said you need to focus on what God has done. And thirdly, you must focus on what God is like. What's His character like? What's He like? I mean, if, if you were to introduce to me your friend this morning or your family member, and we began to have a conversation, very quickly we would hear things that you say, right? We'd begin to have an understanding or a judgment of what you're like by what you say. If we spend time with you, the more you come to church, the more you're around, or I'm at your house, you're at my house, we begin to see what you do, and we begin to form our opinion about you based on what you do. And over time, all of that kind of comes together, and we understand what you're like, right? We, we know what your character is like. We know what you do in different situations. We know how you're going to respond, and that's the way any relationship works, right? Over time, you hear what people say, you see what people do, and you're able to understand what they are like. 
So if we're going to overcome fear in our life, we need to understand and listen to what God says. We need to see what God does. And we need to rest in or understand what God is like, what His character is like. You say, how does this relate to joy? Well, that's the introduction. So let's talk about the gift of joy. What does he say here? The angels command these shepherds to fear not. See, they didn't bring a message of fear. They were not coming to strike fear in the hearts of the shepherds. Instead, they were coming to bring good tidings of great joy. They were saying, we have good news. These are good tidings. It's from the same word that we get the word gospel. It's the good news. And the gospel is what these angels were bringing that night to the shepherds. There was good news. The good news, notice, of great joy which shall be to... Who's the good news for? It's for all people. That's an encouraging word, isn't it? The good news is for all people. Nobody's excluded here. He's not just saying this is the good news for the Jews, even though it is good news for the Jews. He's not just saying it's good news to the Gentiles. It was also good news to the Gentiles. I'm so thankful that this is good news for all. Folks, that's an encouraging thing that can bring great joy to know that God's good news is for everybody. Now, will everybody listen to the good news? No. People often ignore good news, don't they? But that's between them and God. That's their rejection of God's good news. But it doesn't change the fact that the good news is for all. That's a very important point because some people don't think it's for all. But it is. God says it over and over. It's good news for all. Good tidings of great joy which shall be to all people. What does he say then? For unto you is born this day. In the city of David, a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. So we overcome fear so we can have joy in our heart. And you say, well, wait a minute, what's joy? Do I really want to have it? Well, joy is the positive outlook or the peace and contentment that comes even in the midst of very difficult circumstances. It doesn't mean I'm happy jolly all the time, but that I have a peaceful confidence in God. And that no matter what may comes, I can still have a positive outlook. Even though I may be sick, I might be dying. But I can know that God's in control. I can still have joy in my heart. There's a a sense of, in a sense, happiness overcoming all the difficulty that happens, no matter what it is. So he says, I'm bringing you good tidings of great joy. See, He was talking to these shepherds that night, and he's he's telling them, you can have great joy. Why? First of all, he says, for unto you is born this day in the city of David. Why was that important? Well, remember our first way to overcome fear? Listen to what God says. Let me tell you this morning, God always keeps His promises. This little phrase here that the angels were bringing to the shepherds that night was indicative of the fact that God always keeps His promises. This angel said to those shepherds that night that this baby would be born in the city of David. 
You say, why is that important? Because this angel is repeating a prophecy that had been made over 400 years prior to this. If you look in your Bible back in the little book of Micah, some of you maybe didn't even know that your Bible had a book called Micah, okay? It's towards the end of the Old Testament. It's one of the books that we refer to as one of the minor prophets. The only reason it's called minor is because it's a shorter book of Scripture, not because it's of lesser importance, okay? But in Micah chapter 5 and verse 2, this prophet spoke of where Jesus would be born. He says this, But thou Bethlehem Ephratah, he's speaking of Bethlehem, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah. This was not a large city. This was not a powerful city. This is a very small place. He says, Yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me that is to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from old from everlasting. You see, these shepherds could have joy. This was good news of great joy. They didn't need to be afraid because God always keeps His promises. This baby, God in human flesh, the Word that became flesh, would be born exactly where God said He would be born. That's a blessing. God always keeps His promises. You don't have to be afraid, no matter what comes up in life, if you will, remember the fact that God always keeps His Word. He always does. You need to listen to what God says. You know what happens, at least when I struggle with things that I'm afraid of in my life? It's because I'm not choosing to meditate on what God has said. I'm just thinking about what the news says, I'm thinking about what the bill says, I'm thinking about what my wife says, I'm thinking about what the kids say, I'm thinking about all the other things, and I'm not choosing to focus on what God has said. And when we live like that, we live in fear. Fear and faith don't coexist. When I live in a place of fear, I'm not walking by faith, and without faith, it's impossible to please God. Living in fear. What are you afraid of? What are you afraid of? We're afraid of the things we can't control. We're afraid of the things that we don't understand. We're afraid of the things that seem beyond ourselves. God kept every promise as to the birth of His Son, the Messiah, even down to the place where He would be born. We could spend all morning because this would be a whole message in and of itself talking about the prophecies surrounding the birth of Christ. These were the promises that God made long before Jesus was ever born of where He would be born, to whom He would be born, of the lineage that He would be born, who His parents would be descended from. I mean, it all fits together. And these promises were made over and over and over again to various people throughout history, to various Kings and leaders and prophets and individuals. And God showed His work over and over and over again. Not only did God prophesy it by saying where He would be born and to whom He would be born and how it would all work, He also gave pictures of the coming of Jesus. He had the picture of Isaac that was the son of promise to Abraham. 
that was a picture, a, a foreshadowing, if you will, of the future coming of the baby Jesus who would become our Savior, Jesus Christ. He had foretelling of the birth of Jesus Christ and this one who would come to save His people even in the man named Joshua in the Old Testament who was the leader of the nation of Israel after Moses. You know, Joshua in the Old Testament, Jesus in the New Testament, those are the, that's the same name just in two different languages. You say, wow. Over and over and over again, God made promises and God kept every single one of them. What are you afraid of? Listen to what God has said. Listen to what God has said. You can have great joy because God always keeps His promises. Secondly, He says here, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. I can have great joy because Jesus came to die in my place. He's my Savior. The angel said to the shepherds that night, He's a Savior. A Savior has come. How do you overcome fear? By listening to what God says and by seeing what He does. What has God done for you? He sent Jesus to be your Savior. God promised to provide a Savior. God promised back in the Garden of Eden to Adam and Eve that a Savior would come. God promised to Abraham that a Savior would come from the seed of Abraham. God promised David that the future king would come whose kingdom would be established forever. God promised Isaiah that one would come who would be the wonderful counselor, mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of peace. God promised a Savior, and then the Savior was born. The Savior grew up. Jesus lived a perfect life. He lived and then He died so that we might have forgiveness of sin. Aren't you thankful, though, that He didn't stay dead? Three days later, the Bible says He rose again. This was attested to in Scripture, but it was attested to over 500 people that saw Him alive in the flesh after His resurrection. What a wonderful, wonderful thing that was. And a wonderful thing that is for us. And a reason we can have joy. You don't have to be afraid. Stop being afraid. You say it's that easy? It is when you choose instead to focus on what God has said. And what God has done. Does that mean that you'll never be afraid again? No, but what it does mean is, What time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. When I start to struggle with fear in my life, fear of something I don't know, fear of something I'm unsure of, fear of taking the next step of faith that God has put in front of me, I can open up the words of God and say, what does God say? What is the truth? But you and I know that's not what we do, is it? When you come to times of fear, the Bible is often the furthest thing from you coming to church and really listening. You might be here, but you're not hearing it because your mind's so caught up with the fear and everything else that's going on in your heart and mind, and it's clouded and you're distracted and you're thinking about other stuff. Remember what God has said. Remember what God has done. He sent the Savior, the one that could redeem us, the one that could pay the debt that we could never pay. 
You know, people, you'd walk around with a lot of fear in your life, wouldn't you, if you carried a debt that you could never pay back? I mean, you'd always be afraid of the next phone call. You'd always be afraid of the next knock on the door. Maybe they're coming to collect the debt and I can't pay. We live in a day and age that's a little different than times gone by, but there was a time when if you had a debt that you couldn't pay, they'd throw you in a place called debtor's prison. You say, how am I going to pay the debt if I'm in prison? Go figure, right? Then it was your family's responsibility to pay the debt. You say, how do you live like that? Well, the reality is all of us have a debt that we can't pay. All of us are walking around with a giant debt that is impossible for us to pay. There's nothing we could do to pay it off because the Bible says very clearly, for without the shedding of blood, there is no remission for sin. There's a debt that we cannot pay except through our own death. But we don't want to die. We want to have life. And we can have life and life eternal and life more abundantly through Jesus Christ because He paid our debt. When you're afraid... Remember what God has done for you. But I would just ask you this question. Even though God has done this, even though He has died for you, have you accepted this free gift of salvation? Have you accepted it as your own? Just because the gift is wrapped and it's under the tree doesn't mean it's yours. You've got to receive it, open it, and take it for yourself. God has wrapped up, if you will, the gift of salvation. Jesus has already paid the price. He's already done the work. It's there. It has your name on the tag. But you have to receive it. You have to receive it for it to truly be yours. Right? My children's presents are not theirs until they receive them. If we go to open the gifts and they say, no, I don't want to open that one, it's not theirs yet, is it? It's not theirs until they receive it. Just like the gift of salvation, while it's available to all, it's not yours until you receive it. Have you received the gift of salvation? What are you afraid of this morning? What are you afraid of? When you're afraid, remember what God has said. Remember what God has done. And then he says here, a Savior which is Christ the Lord. See, I have great joy because of what God has said. Because He always keeps His promises. I have great joy because Jesus came to die in my place. But I think we can see a third thing together this morning in the message that this angel had for the shepherds. And the same message I believe that God has for us today is that I can have great joy because my Savior is God. Because of what God is like. Because of what He's like. Fear not! What has God said? What has God done? What is God like? This is the only place in all of Scripture where this phrase is used. Christ the Lord. You see, in the Old Testament, the Jewish writers, as they were writing down the Word of God and the, the, the priests in the temple, they would refer to God with the name that God gave to Himself. Clear back at the burning bush with Moses. Do you remember that story in the Bible where Moses is out tending sheep in the wilderness and he comes upon a bush that's on fire? 
And many of you maybe heard that story as a child and you think, what was going on? Well, see, this was a time when Moses is far away from where God had originally put him in Israel, or not in Israel, in Egypt. Moses had left because Moses had murdered a man. And he goes out into the wilderness to take care of sheep, to become a shepherd because he was running for his life. And he's out there on the backside of the desert, out watching over some sheep, just a few sheep there, and he comes upon this bush that is on fire. But the interesting, one of the interesting things about this bush is that even though it's on fire, it's not burning up. Like It, it, it still looks normal, other than that it's on fire. And so he walks up to get a closer look at this bush, and not only does it not burn up, but now a voice comes out of the bush. You say, this sounds like a miracle. It's okay, because it is, all right? This is supernatural, right? And the voice comes out of the bush and tells Moses, take off your shoes. You're standing on holy ground. I don't know about you, but if a bush talks to me, I'm going to do whatever it says. (laughs) See, it wasn't the bush talking. It was God speaking through it, right? It says, take off your shoes. You're on holy ground. Moses removes his shoes, and he comes up close and God begins to speak to Moses out of the bush. To my knowledge, and I could be wrong, somebody might come up and correct me after the service, and if you do, it's okay. You're allowed to correct me if I'm wrong, okay? But to my knowledge, this was the first time God had spoken out loud that we have recorded in Scripture since the Garden of Eden. Maybe it happened sometime in between, but I can't think of one. God speaks to Moses through that bush and he begins to tell Moses that he's going to go back to Egypt. Moses has to go back to Egypt and he is to lead his people to freedom, to the promised land that God has for them. And, he, and Moses says, well, whom shall, I send, whom shall I say has sent me? And God says through the bush, tell him, I am hath sent thee. I am? What kind of name is that? He's the God who is, who was, and who is to come. He's eternal. He's the great I am. In a sense, He's always present. Isn't that great? And so this name of God is written down in the Hebrew, and it comes down to us in a transliteration. We call it Jehovah. And we see it written for us in the Old Testament. You'll often see it in your Bible when you see the word LORD in all caps. L-O-R-D in all capitalization. That's referring to the name Jehovah or Yahweh. The great I Am. And many Bible scholars believe that when the angels were referring to this, Christ The Lord, that's who they were speaking of, the great I Am. See, the angel wanted to make it very clear to the shepherds that night, because here these guys are, these are just the low-level people of society. They're the guys out working the night shift. They're the ones doing the job that maybe a lot of other people didn't really want to do. They had the shift that the other people didn't want to have. These were not probably the guys who had the long tenure with the flocks, right? You go work the night shift. We'll get our sleep, right? The angels came 
as the messengers of God, and they came to just the lowest of the low, the ordinary person. And they said, don't be afraid. We have a good message of great joy that's for all people. What has God said? He'll be born in the city of David. That's what the angel said. What has God done? God always does what He says He's going to do. He says, I'm sending a Savior. And then the angel emphasizes, and this Savior is Christ the Lord. The name Christ means Messiah or the Anointed One. You see, this is one that has been set aside, who has been called out, who is, has a very specific purpose for their plan. See, God in the Old Testament, He would take the kings of Israel before they became king and He would send a prophet or, or some other man of God to come and to anoint them with oil. This was a, a picture that they had been called out for something special, that God had selected this person to do something very important. And so this idea of anointing came down through Scripture so that the Jews were looking for the anointed one, the one who had come that was promised of God, that was selected, that was called out, that God had for a special purpose. And God sent none other than His only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one, the one that He called out that had a specific purpose for Him. And he makes it very clear that this Christ, this anointed one, is not just any old person. This anointed one is not just a really nice guy. This anointed one was not just a good teacher. This anointed one was not just a good man. This anointed one is the Lord. The Lord. You say, who is the Lord? Well, the Lord is sovereign. He's over all. He's in charge. He always wins. We of all people as believers, because our Christ, the one who had been promised, the anointed one, He is the Lord. We of all people should be full of joy because of what God is like, because of what God has said, because of what God has done. Notice if you follow along in the story here, Back in Luke chapter 2, after these shepherds are met by this angel this night, and they hear this message of good tidings and great joy, what's their response? Well, after the first angel gave his message to the shepherds that night, then there was a multitude, the Bible says, of the heavenly hosts, Praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth. Peace, goodwill toward men. We looked at that idea of peace last week. And then verse 15. What was the shepherd's response? This is, by the way, this is not a response of fear. It, you'll see it. This is not the response of a bunch of fearful shepherds. This is the response of shepherds who are full of joy. Bible says in verse 15, And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord, they use the name, hath made known unto us. And the Bible says, And they came with 
haste. They, they were quick about it. They, they were in a hurry. They came with haste and they found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. See, this was a response of joy. They, they put aside their other priorities. They left their sheep on the hillside that night. And they came with haste to see what had happened. Have you ever noticed that? People that live in fear live very differently than people that live with joy. They have very different priorities, don't they? People that live in fear, they're generally not very quick to do good things, are they? No, they're, they're, they're afraid. They're frozen. They don't know what to do. But see, when you have joy, and why do we have joy? Because of what God has said because of what God has done, because of what God is like, it changes our priorities, doesn't it? You say, how can you choose to get up and get all those people ready and get to church every Sunday morning? Because I have joy. And I want my kids to hear about it too. And I want them to grow and to learn and to understand the truth that I've learned and grown to understand. And I want to keep learning and growing it. I'm having fun coming to church every week because, yes, I'm preaching it to you now, but it's because I've been studying it all this week and I'm excited to share it with you now. Because it's good news. It changes your priorities when you have joy. It says they came with haste and they found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And it says, and when they had seen it, so they change their priority in just going down and seeing it. But it says, and when they had seen it, I'm in verse 17, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. All right, these are the shepherds. These, these guys are out with the sheep. I mean, I doubt these men speak very many words in a day. If they do, they're just talking to sheep. There's not a whole lot to say. I would imagine, the Bible doesn't say this for us definitively, but I would imagine that these are pretty quiet guys. They're tending sheep. They're not trying to spook the flock and run them off. They're not jabbering all the time. and They're just tending sheep. It's a very lonely, solitary job, just you and the sheep. The other shepherd, he's over there on that side of the field looking at those sheep, you know. But what happened? Their priorities changed. They came with haste. They, they found the baby. And then after they saw that it was Jesus, just as had been promised, it says they went out and they, they made known abroad. They, they just started telling everybody. Think about this. What time of day was this? Well, we know the angels came to them as they're watching their flock by night. Then they come down to Bethlehem. They're surely not too far away because they wouldn't have taken their sheep too far out. At night, it's probably still nighttime. I mean, can you imagine you're laying in bed that night in Bethlehem? Maybe you've just journeyed a long way with your family because you came to be taxed too. You came for the, for the counting, the census that was happening and to pay your taxes. And, and you've made this long journey and you made it in and you were one that got to the inn before Mary and Joseph so there was room for you. I don't know. And, and your family's in there asleep and, and you're resting and you're out. And you finally got the kids quieted down. And all of a sudden, these crazy shepherds come running through saying, Hey, listen up! There's good news! There's great joy! You wake up, what's going on? 
says they made known abroad. See, when you have great joy, it changes your priorities. It changes your message. You start telling people about things that you probably would have ignored before. Why? Because see, this message was for all people. It was too good for the shepherds to keep it to themselves. They were so full of joy, they had to share it with somebody else. He's come, the one we've been waiting for, the one that's been promised, the Messiah, Christ, the Lord. They wanted to share it with everybody. And then it says, And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds caused everybody else to be amazed. What? What's going on? But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Mary, she's the mother. She's just given birth. She had the angel come and tell her that the baby was going to be born. The angel told her not to be afraid. And Mary said, be it unto me as unto the handmaid of the Lord. God, you can do whatever you want with me. I, I'm here to serve you. Wonderful response. She's taking all this. She's, she's taking it in, thinking about it. But notice again the shepherds, verse 20. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. So I ask you again, what are you afraid of? What are you afraid of? I don't know what these shepherds were all their fears, we know they were at least startled by the angel appearing to them in the night. But I don't think we're stretching the scripture here to think of this application in our own lives. That a lot of us walk around with a lot of fear. And it keeps us from walking by faith and doing what God wants us to do. And I want you to know there's a message of great joy for each and every one of us. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, this, this would be a great day to accept that gift. And if you know Him as your Savior, then we don't have any excuse to keep living in our fear. And yet we like to make excuses because for some reason, some of you prefer to live in fear. You say, no, I don't. Well, then why do you do it all the time, right? Well, it's because we, we don't choose to focus on what God has said. Well, that'll take work. I'll have to read my Bible. I'll have to study. I'll have to pray. It takes time. I don't have time for that. You have time to worry, though. You have time to be afraid, right? Sorry. I should have told you to wear your steel-toed boots this morning, okay? We have time for what we want to have time for, right? We make time for what's important to us. See, my fear is not important to me. We often live in fear because it's our way of trying to be in control. If I worry enough about it, if I, if I think about it enough, if I just live it, ugh, then I might be able to figure it out and fix it. Good You're not God. Good Let God be God and stop trying to fix the things that you can't fix. Don't be afraid. You say, but I am. Okay, then 
Let's take out the truth of God's word because I'm standing here before you not as someone who never fears, but as someone who when I get afraid, I have to do the same thing. Open up the word of God. What does it say? God, I need to learn from you. I need to hear from you. I need to know what your truth is. And remind yourself of what God has done. And I will tell you, the longer you live with the Lord, the more you'll have to remind yourself about what God has done. If you're new to your relationship with God, you can read through the pages of Scripture and see what God has done. But the longer you live in a personal relationship with God, the more you'll be able to see things in your own life that God has done. And you look back and say, well, well God took care of me that time, so of course He's going to take care of me this time. God may have allowed this in my life, but I know He's got it for a purpose. I don't understand everything He's doing, but I know He is at work. I know He's good. I know what He's like. I don't understand. I, I don't even like it. <laughs> but I know that my Heavenly Father watches over me. He cares for me. He has a good plan for my life. Sure, He's holy and He's righteous. He's just. He, he doesn't allow for sin, but He's merciful. He's patient. He's long-suffering. He cares for us. Don't live in your fear. Your fear is your own selfish place of trying to somehow be in control let god have control you say that's easier said than done that's true but it's something that can come with practice walking by faith that's why it's called a walk of faith right it's walk walking implies taking steps right it's a little bit at a time this isn't a one-time decision at the end of the service this morning, just a few moments, we'll have a time to pray. And I hope that if you've got some fear in your heart this morning, you'll give that to the Lord today. You say, God, I, please forgive me for being afraid. Amen. It's wrong to be afraid when we hold on to it, right? In the moment, things come up, okay, but then I choose how I'm going to respond, right? It's natural to have a sudden fear come upon us. What's wrong is to hang on to that fear and to keep it, right? Instead, say, no, Lord, I'm giving that to you. What does your word say? What's the truth? And walk by faith. But when we have the time of prayer this morning, I hope that you'll give your fear to the Lord, but realize that may be something you have to do every single day. Again and again and again. But why? Because there's good tidings of great joy. We can rejoice because of what God has done, because of what God has said, and because of who God is, what He's like. Let's rejoice together. If we are, it's very clear. It's very clear the people that are rejoicing in the Lord. Their life looks different. Their priorities are different. Their message is different. It's not hard to tell. If somebody didn't know you, what would they say about you? You're somebody that's full of joy or full of fear. Let's be a church. Let's be people that are full of joy. Joy in the Lord because of what He has done for us. It's going to be great tonight. We're going to have all these boys and girls. I count, I think we have 28 boys and girls, 29, something like that in the program tonight. Yesterday they were practicing up here. The stage full, all their little mouths wide open, singing, Joy to the world, the Lord has come. That's wonderful. It's wonderful. But do we have that joy? Do we have that joy? The Lord has come, and He's coming back again. 
Let's have joy. And let's share that with others. Let's let it change what we say, what we do, how we act, our priorities, because we're not in charge. God's in charge. Don't be afraid. Let's bow for prayer this morning. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for what it says, because it's always true. Thank you for the message of the angel that night to those shepherds. Lord, it's the same message we need today. There's good news. The gospel. Jesus has come. Salvation is available to all who would believe. Lord, if there's somebody here today that's never trusted you as their Savior, pray that today they would. Lord, if there's somebody here today that's struggling with fear, and I would say probably many are, pray that they'd look to you for answers and they would get some help. They would talk to somebody that can take the Word of God and show them Scripture so they can once again be reminded of your promises and of your truth and of what you've done and of who you are to help them overcome the fear that they face. Lord, help us now. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.